everybody. Your mom is here. Your dad is here. And when your mom and dad are divorced, you will still be here. Welcome to Deep Shit. This is Baron Vaughn. Uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to do with these introductions when I say something weird. I got to come up with better things to say. Something that means something that connects to something deep or true or deeply true. Uh, now I feel like I'm sounding like Hemingway. Uh, hey. Hello again, it's me, Baron. Uh, welcome to Deep Shit. Thank you for listening. Um, I want to start off with a couple of all things comedy uh, plugs right away because uh, uh, I'm excited about a couple of them. Well, I'm excited about all of them. That's how I do. That's how I always do. Um, first of all, there is a new show on MTV called Philosophy, which premieres or premiered February 14th. And it is uh, created by and executive produced by Gareth Reynolds, who is part of the podcast The Naughty Show, which is here on ATC. Also, there's this really interesting host on that show. Let me see. Was Oh, my God, it's Hassan Minaj. Hassan Minaj, a guy who has been a guest many a time here on the deep shit thing that I do, is the host of Philosophy on MTV. Hassan Minaj, very funny gentleman, very insightful, very deep and true, as Hemingway would say who is the host of Philosophy. Um, also, Ian Edwards, who is part of the Soccer Comics podcast, is going to be on Conan on March 6th. Uh, be sure to watch that, because Ian Edwards is a, uh, is a monster, a monster of comedy in the truest sense of the world, in the world, of the world and the word. That's what Ian Edwards brings to stand-up comedy. And also one of my favorite comedians out there, Eddie Pepitone, who is part of the uh, Long Shot podcast which i was recently on eddie was absent but i was still on it and i still love eddie he has a documentary out called the bitter buddha um which you can get uh on video on demand i believe on amazon or uh itunes and you can check it out at thebitterbuddha.com what a perfect title it perfectly describes him because he is very bitter but he also is he's also very zen I mean, I all I did was repeat what the title of the of the documentary is as a as a as a better uh, uh, as a, as a as the same as the thing. I, I repeated it as the thing. <laughs> Can you tell I lost my train of thought there? Um, I am losing my train of thought because I'm exhausted, guys. I just got back from Boston, Massachusetts, the land of my comedy beginnings. I started doing stand up there um, in either 2000. Two or 2003, maybe even as early as 2001. It's got to be 2002 or 2003. I graduated college in 2003. I was doing stand-up by that time. So I've either been doing stand-up for 10 or 11 years. And I cannot tell what is what anymore because all that, all the events around when I started doing stand-up uh, kind of blur together to me now. I remember my first set. I remember who I had at my first set. Uh, I remember a bunch of different things about it. Anyways, all hazel, basil, hazel, hazel, hazels. Um, I was in Boston because I taped a Comedy Central half hour uh, special. And uh, that was fucking fun as shit. Had a good time. I think they're going to turn out really well. Oh, man. See, look at that. I'm always fucking yawning. Whenever I, whenever I do this thing, I'm yawning. It's ridiculous. It is uh, pretty much midnight while I'm recording this. Anyway, I did this special in Boston. It was fantastic. 17 comics. I was one. 
so 16 other comics beside myself. I watched as many of them as many of them as I could. Um, and you know what? I got to say, it was invigorating and inspiring. And I was so happy and proud of all of my friends that um, are such great comedians. You know, all of us in our different stages, but we're all just knocking it out of the park. Um, and I cannot wait until those premiere. I have no idea when that's going to happen. No one tells me shit. No one tells the talent shit. Um, so I'm assuming they will air around late July, early August, because that is when they aired last year. And I'm assuming it'll be the same thing, but maybe it won't be. Who knows? Um, so that was fun and uh, had a great time, had a great time hanging. And now I'm back here in Los Angeles about to do shite loads of shows around building that act, getting better. Yes, positive energy. I'm doing Brody Stevens now because Brody Stevens was on my uh, my grouping when I taped. Um, so I got Brody Stevens all up in my head in terms of his positive energy and stuff like that. Uh, and speaking of positive energy, I want to uh, start transitioning to the introduction for today's podcast, which is with Mike Kaplan. Mike, who has been on this podcast before, Mike is an extremely intelligent man. He uh, is very logical. He, he's very hard to beat in any sort of debate <laughs> um, because he knows a lot of things and he also can, he listens to what you say. And when I say that, he listens to what you say. I mean, he listens to exactly what you say. And you you got to be careful. You know, if if he wants to use this as a weapon, luckily he uses it for good and brings us great comedy jokes, but he could use it for, for evil. You know, he could be a fox talking head if he wanted to. He'd totally be good at that. Could twist around what you just said. Well, what you said was this, not that. And now you're saying this. And those contradict. I remember everything you fucking said, exactly how you said it, in the order that you say it. And et cetera, et cetera. But he uses it for good. So Mike and I sat down and we talked about relationships. Now, this is going to be a controversial episode because Mike and I have philosophies and ideas and try to apply those to our lives that are uh, a little more, quote unquote, alternative or different than what is the norm. Um. So we talk about that a little bit. It's not going to dominate our conversation. Really, we're going to be talking about relationships as a concept. And uh, it's a very people are very sensitive about this subject. And they're very sensitive about what it is that I am trying to do or have been doing. Um, I, 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 I keep talking about it like it's something I want to do. But it's something I've done. And it's something I've been doing. I have practical actual experience doing this not like maybe it would be great if this was what things were like no that's different i've done it uh, and i'm trying to do it again and trying to continue doing it um do i think it's going to work for me forever who the fuck knows i don't know what's going to happen in forever if i did know i would be really not concerned about um, how i do relationships and more concerned about how to stop the bombs that's what i'd be more concerned about anyways well hazel basil basil shazels um, oh, I don't know why I keep doing that. I love how annoyed I become at myself at everything that I say. That's becoming an interesting trend to notice. Right, guys? Anyway, I'm going to let it happen. And it by it, I mean the podcast. So here's Mike and myself talking about the giant 
Oh, yes. Oh, if you had to yawn again. <laughs> I'm taking in too much air. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, mm-hmm. you're less likely to have bad things happen. Possibly. This doesn't make it. So there's research to back this up. They're starting. Yeah, <laughs> finally. And and so that there's I'm glad that people are doing research on open relationships because there's been there's been a lot of research on closed relationships. And if, I think the they don't work. They uh, they like, don't work. But, but yeah, most of the time, most of the time. And I mean, my yeah, my no. diplomatic <laughs> equalization, yeah, of course, is that sure. Polyamory doesn't always work, but neither does monogamy. Yeah. It's just the thing is. People, some people are good at it and some people are bad at it. Relationships are hard and you have to figure out the kind of relationship that you want to be in and hopefully find a person or however many people that also want to be in that kind. You have to find the things that are most important to you. Be like, I want kids. Oh, you don't want kids? Well, then this relationship will, should not go as far as it needs. Like one of us will be sad. Uh, I remember when you, you, because you have some jokes, you're, you're, you have some material about. I do. About open relationships and it'll be on my next album that comes out soon. What's that next album called? Uh, I think it's going to be called Meat Robot. Okay, that's different than the last time you were on the podcast. Uh, no, the the Small Dork and Handsome will be a special, hopefully, and album that oh. will come out later. Well, easy, crazy, fresh, and breezy. That's the that's the plan right now. Okay, um, good plan. I like that plan. Um, Sorry to surprise you with Meat Robot. But when you, I remember you, because I've seen you develop some of this stuff, and I've seen it in some of your act. And I remember a long time ago, you and I talking about, uh, you were telling me the logic behind what it is that you're going to turn into a bit. Mm -hmm. And I got to admit, I don't know if I told you this, I was very discouraged because this is something that I'm trying to talk about more in my my act. Mm -hmm. But my problem is finding the in. And because I'm worried, I'm so worried about, and and I'm being, I, and some people have mentioned this to me when I'm talking about this stuff. I get very guarded and defensive about it because I've been attacked because people don't understand what the hell it is I'm saying. There's like so many assumptions before I've even said anything about what I must be doing. Ah. Um, and it's hard for me to find an end to it. So I, and I'm so conscious about, having to dismantle all the counter arguments before I even say what it is I want to say. But you told me the logic of what you were trying to do. And I was like, damn it, that's good. Oh, no, I can't talk about it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's why, that's what I want to say. Oh, can't, can't touch it. Can't, didn't see hammer. And that's why you stopped doing comedy. That's why I stopped doing. That's how I stopped doing comedy. Mike Kaplan. I'm sorry, but this podcast is going great. You, I remember you telling me it was just like, and you've said this in your act is like, you want someone you want people to find people that want what they want, right? Yes. That's, that was basically the logic. It's like, I say, I like this thing, and you're like, oh, that just means you want to fuck a lot of girls. It's like, yeah, 
and I want to be with the girl that wants to fuck a lot of girls. You're allowed to want that. You're allowed to want that, and I want to be with someone who wants that. I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want that and say, I want this. Sorry, you don't, but I'm still going to do it. And practically speaking, like, if people are like, hey, you're not going to find that girl. You're not going to find those girls. You're not going to. Well, there's billions of people. Uh, many of them speak the language that I speak. And, <laughs> like, I've found, like, from talking about it on stage and on podcasts, like, it's sort of, you know, obviously the internet has made the world so much smaller. Like, I've gotten emails from people that are like, hey, that makes sense. I agree with you. I think about that. Like, so I've made new friends. I've met people. I've hooked up with people who have these similar inclinations. So there's definitely people out there. But even if, like, I, and I'm not saying that this is what I want forever. I'm saying right now, this is what seems to make sense to me. Like, my, what I do want, and I, this is another line I think that I say is uh, in, the, in the act. I think I, think I say this, uh, that <laughs> I, want, I just want, I want to find the one who will let me be with others. Yes. And... And what then obviously there's in real life much more, you know, what that means and what that looks like. How, how do I get to be with others? How does she get to be with others? Right, right. What we both want, like how much do we tell each other? Like these are all things to be worked out in every individual uh, relationship. See, and that's, that's, I've learned is a big assumption is that people think I'm going to do what I want to do regardless of who it is that I am with. And there's this assumption that they're just going to be sitting there while I'm off with someone else crying. It's like, I would hope not. I would no. hope that they also have found other people to be with. Well, that's when the the girl that I was most recently seeing, mm-hmm. when I brought this conversation, she had heard me talk about it, mm-hmm. either on stage or on podcasts or both. Mm-hmm. So she knew coming into the relationship with me or coming into meeting me and starting to date me that uh, that this was, you know, initially, obviously, it, I feel like the beginning stages of any relationship mm-hmm. are normally like I've never really even before I before I in my early 20s to mid 20s, uh, I mostly didn't date, you know, as I don't know, like like Archie Andrews dated, you know, uh, like that's the way my, my first <laughs> model for dating was Archie. Like I was okay. a kid and I saw Archie and like it was actually kind of confusing because it was like, oh, Archie, he's dating Betty and Veronica. That was weird. Like somehow in different stories by different people. Sometimes he would have to choose between them. Sometimes he would go on dates with different people. He'd be kissing different people. There'd be other girls. Uh, and there, but that was presented as like normal, like, oh, that's high school. That's, and that's high dating. school drama. That's right. dating. It's like, you can, you can be dating multiple people. You can be dating non-exclusively. Most people agree with that. Like, oh, you might, maybe you're not sleeping with everybody. Maybe you are sleeping with more than one person. But before you get to the, there's a point in the relationship that comes eventually. We haven't seen enough Archie fucking nope. comics. Nope. Nope. But, but you, as you were saying. Yeah. Uh, the, there comes a point in most, in say every relationship that becomes monogamous when, when it's decided that it's monogamous, like, oh, we're boyfriend and girlfriend now, or boyfriend and boyfriend, or girlfriend and girlfriend, or trans person and other person, uh, you know, whoever they are, wherever on the spe- you know, one and one and one. Um, I, uh, that, I'm glad that you said that because I'm, I'm about to apologize for this conversation that Mike and I are about to happen, uh, about to have. I apologize from my perspective because I'm a straight guy. And uh, sure, I have a lot of LGBT friends, but I know I have said things in the past that are like, that's kind of insensitive. (laughs) That's heteronormative. That's a word I've learned recently. But I'm like, I get it. I get what heteronormative is. Yeah, bro. Oh, you said bro at the end of it. (laughs) You said bro at heteronormative. That's really heteronormative. Bros and bras. Sorry, sister. Okay, (laughs) I don't identify as a gender. Oh, son of a... I'm going to go. I call it Zonder, so it doesn't have the word Jen in it. <laughs> That's true, because no one's named Zon. People of name, every Zonder. Of every Zonder. So I'm just saying, 
we're we're two straight guys, and uh, we're gonna talk. We are too straight. We should try to. We are way too straight, yeah. and we are gonna talk about. And I and I said to someone today that uh, that we're kind of lesbians. Oh, you I've, and I. I in another I thing raised, I say on stage. That I was I'm raised a, by yeah. two women. Lesbian trapped in a man's body. And you are a, a vegan with a <laughs> master's in linguistics. So. Yeah. Uh, and what is what is more? I've yeah, I've never been called too straight for sure. Um, but gay friendly, or, yeah. yeah. Or they used to. Uh, why do I? I was going to quote your act. I've I've said a lot of things. You said a lot of uh, things that apply to your life. <laughs> pretty, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I I definitely. Uh, I, well, here's the thing about being heteronormative. Like hetero, you know, I listen to a lot of Dan Savage. Dan Savage is my. My favorite podcaster, like he's the one I listen to all every episode. Mm-hmm. I read all of his columns. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, I think uh, he does great things for the world. Well, someone someone described him as America's most important sex ethicist. Oh yeah, and I thought that was a good description of Dan Savage. Yeah, of all the three that we have, well, uh, there's a yeah, lot of people I, who are just like, you gotta be like, but but he's into se- but the ethics of it. You're right, is what he concentrates on. And he is he is a gay man mm-hmm. and in a monogamish relationship, a word like, he made up. Yep, which is a great one. Super duper. Did I tell you about the word I made up, racish? Racish? Yeah. Uh no you no you didn't tell you me. Yeah, it's for the kind of person who like makes racist jokes and you're like, "Are you a ra- you're definitely racish." <laughs> okay. Um Son of- but uh so dan savage is like i mean i i think he's right about many many things like i don't i don't i blanket you know like blindly uh, i I read what he says i think about it and and most of the time i'm like that makes a lot of sense right and certainly he is more of an authority on certain topics than i am like i you know he knows a lot more about the gay community Mm -hmm. and the trans community though he gets in trouble with them he gets in he'll say whatever sometimes and then and he gets in trouble but he'll 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 incorporate he'll learn it he'll be like okay i said something fucked up yeah i understand that i'm not supposed to say this thing but here's the facts that i've seen like about bisexual people or about people who claim to be bisexual right, right or about you know the fluidity of female sexuality so like these are all things that i listen to and think about and he uh more, more than anyone else is like the first person to be like it's normal to assume that a person is straight if like you meet a person if somebody's like hey i'll give you money if you can predict whether a random person that you're not even looking at or lo- knowing anything about like any are they straight or not straight like most people are straight identified at least most human beings if we're if they were asked what do you do who do you do it with they're like i do things sexually with the opposite gender like okay. so there's it's mathematic I'm, I'm assuming he got in trouble for that I'm, i mean <laughs> just mathematically right. that's that's the like that's why people have to come out as right, right. as gay but they don't have to come out as straight right like because people assume it it's a, marked it's a big gigantic assumption um and it's and it's because humans are labelers and categorizers because that's how we were like oh tiger kills us this thing doesn't kill us go towards this thing you know tree nice person in tiger pants yeah <laughs> gay gay <laughs> uh but uh yeah so the point is you're not i'm saying you don't have to apologize a ton but yeah i mean if you have friends then that uh that care about something yeah then it's important to learn about it I just want to give a blanket disclaimer that we're coming from this perspective. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be shit that we miss just, just for the mm-hmm. pure fact that we're, because you know what? We can't entertain because it's not, we can't entertain every single perspective we're, because yeah. we're not living life from every single we're perspective. all in our own bodies, but we can be sensitive to it. I remember actually, you know, Hari Kondabolu. I do. Um, another person that has been on this podcast. That I want to have back. Uh, big lesbian. 
we he told me something and i hope he wouldn't be offended that i i share this but the 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 point of the story is that that he's a sensitive man and he doesn't uh he doesn't like to offend people that he doesn't think deserve it right right he's a he's he's into justice he's into justice and he's into fairness and equality yeah and so when someone says that he is being unfair he doesn't like it he he but he takes it really seriously and he takes it to heart he's a sensitive man he's a sensitive man so we did bumper shoot together I get it. You did bumper shoot. Well, and I didn't know this until afterwards. And I, I can't even remember if we talked about this on the podcast, but we've talked about it in life. And it's something I think about when I think of him because I, I feel like I, okay, I'll just tell you the story. Um, um, Hurry has this joke and he did it on Conan, which is the feminist dick joke. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? I remember. I've like if, uh, you know, you know what they say, if a, if a, if a woman's president, you know, once a month, her judgment's <laughs> going to be impaired. And he's like, I'm a man that happens to have a penis. Uh, my judgment is impaired every, I forget seven what Seven minutes? Says, every seven minutes. Something like that. And he has an extra tag on it. Because he's like, he's like, it's every seven, five to seven minutes. He has an extra tag, which is like, and that's because I've taken woman, women's studies classes. And I'm sensitive enough to be able to uh, hold it down every now and then. It would be even more often, right? Yeah. It could be seven seconds. I don't even remember what the exact number is. Right. Yeah. So, and he's like, and it's the feminist dick joke, you know, and he goes on. So, at a show in Seattle, and of course it's Seattle yeah. where this happened. Hey, it could have been anywhere, like no, Por- Portland fucking... or San Francisco. Okay. It could have been any of those three. It's true. <laughs> or Vancouver. Possibly, yeah. It's either going to be a city in the Pacific Northwest. Or San Francisco, maybe Austin. Sure, it could have been. Yeah, depending on the crowd, maybe DC. <laughs> DC has got a big alternative life okay. section to it. We got you. So that's called the government. Watch out. <laughs> so <laughs> what? If that's a great alternative to life. <laughs> uh, yikes! Watch out. So apparently in Seattle, someone came up to him after a show and said, "I was offended by that joke, and here's why." Right? They are a transgender person, and they they took umbrage to the fact that he defined a man as having a penis. Interesting. Okay, so he didn't in the joke he doesn't say the man has a penis, but then by saying it's a dick joke, it's well. But maybe that's he what, said that he thinks with his dick. Well, that's that's why he says the wording is specifically I'm a man that happens to have a penis. That's that's allowed. <laughs> And he and he put that in there specifically to to entertain and to accept the fact that in advance or because of this guy this in advance. trans person oh wow I I feel like I remember that wording always being there mm-hmm. before this part he even told me the story about I am a man who happens to have a penis how could a person how could that that it seems unassailable well that's what I said I was just kind of like you're talking from your perspective. You can't be responsible for this person's perspective. He's not even like he's not saying I'm a man. So I definitely have a penis. Right. He's a, I'm a, who happens? That's funny. That's it, funny and it's correct. <laughs> it's it's accurate. It also leaves open. Th- I mean, it's part of the joke is most people. I have a new a new joke I'm working on about, mm-hmm. uh, or I've been working on for a little for a while, uh, and it may be it may never exist, but about. Uh, the the man who was pregnant, the pregnant man from a few years back. Right, right. And was that how, the one that had the twin, the absorbed twin? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. But okay. I, could, I mean, it was just a person who was born, you know, with female biology. Oh, oh, that's you know, different. Hormonally, but legally became a man, right. married a woman, kept the vagina and uterus. Different story. Right. Gotcha. And so this person was legal, like, which really interests me, legally a woman, uh, legally, legally a man, but with working 
female genitalia mm -hmm. and uh, sex organs and such, and so could have a baby. A, a man, a legal man, had a baby. And so, like, my idea, like, the joke is that they, that's certainly, it's a man with no penis. And the idea that I'm working on is that that's more of a man than a man with a penis. Like, because a man with a penis, of course, you're a man. You're man. Like, uh, you have a penis, you're, pr like, most, most people who have penises, a man. Most people without penises, not a man. Definitionally, like, just objectively, you know, identify, identification-wise, most, if you go up to most people with a penis, are you a man? Yes. Okay. Most people without a penis, are you a man? No. This person, like, so... Is a man with no penis like think how much work think think how manly you are to be a man without the thing that make that most people associate with a man right and, but like so hurry like people obviously pe most people think mo I would say most people maybe less these days but most people would be like man penis woman no penis and that and obviously there's lots more gray area right, in right, between right. many identities definitions like a man could have his penis chopped off he's still a man like chopped off by accident on purpose in any way it doesn't have to be chopped off it could be removed gently i don't know how uh that you know, <laughs> there's a, i don't know all this right okay of course uh but that that phrasing uh, it's the i i'm a man who happens to have a penis right how how does that how do you go up to that person and say i'm offended that you said men have penises you're just you're wrong about what happened well that's what i'm saying it's just kind of like wow that's really intense and and he was upset about it he was really upset about it and was just like this person was offended by what i said i don't want to i don't want to and that's not the kind of a person he's like and i don't want that's a person who came to my show who enjoys what i did and i think the person who offered this criticism started with hey i really like you and i liked your set i think you're very funny but that happened. That a thing, a similar thing happened to me. Not about gender, but about I used to, you know, in my the autistic. Half, yeah, in my half hour special, mm -hmm. I have a joke where I compare uh, losing a cell phone to losing uh, a child who uh, memorized all your friends and family's names and numbers. So losing an autistic child, right? And then the joke ends with uh, something like a ridiculous statement about me hating autistic children or people, right? Right. Uh, which. A woman wrote to me, I, I think an email that was like, I love, this was like, I think that was maybe what closed the special. It was certainly towards the end. Right. And I think it was the last thing in it. And she was like, I watched your whole special and I loved it. But then I think she's involved in some organization. Right. Uh, but which, and I'll say initially, most people who come up to me after the show, who, who, when I was doing that joke, who were like, I have somebody autistic in my family and I love that joke. Like that's even, I would even say as part of the joke, I would tell part that, of the joke. Right. Uh, but, but that's true. I mean, I'd say like 90 something percent of people who would come up to me about that joke would be like, I know this person in my family. I work with, I like all these people who were, you know, people who the only people who would seem to be, who were, were offended, which was the minority, but they would come up to me and it would be the sort of politically correct, you know, the white person who is mad on behalf of the black person who is not mad. Right, you know? right, right. Like, I, you know, a joke that you, like, you could do a joke about well, race. You have to, like you, yeah. like, you have to take a stance for the group that's not there because you're like, well, they can't take a stance for themselves. They're not here. Therefore, it's up to me. Al Sharpton's phone number is in my phone. And, uh, but, but in fact, like the, like, the next day or the day before, it was like, I actually did this for a bunch of people, including black people. And they, like, I'm a person who also thinks about, like, I don't want to offend the... Uh, well, there's also I don't, that you don't want to wrongly offend people. There's also there's there's the built-in assumption, and I always feel like these are people that don't normally go to comedy mm -hmm. because there's because they don't know what it means to be a comedian. Not that anyone does no. <laughs> outside of comedians. What does it mean to be a comedian? But there's this, I gotta this, go. 
I mean, there's the assumption that you're number one, making everything up that you're saying, you know, that's a big, big assumption that you haven't worked on this, which these days, not every, like less and less people have that. I think. Right. I mean, some people are really good at it, but sometimes they turn that into material. But there's that, there's that story about, do you know, this Doug Stanhope story, Uh I think where he said whatever, you know, he said, quote unquote, horrible things. Like he's a, he's one of my favorites, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a genius, quote unquote, uh, horrible things, depending on who's offended. Yeah. Like, you know, thing about, uh, having have whatever like horrible you know like all kinds of you know sexual perversities you know whatever the case not my mother wouldn't enjoy his set my mother would like brian regan and not doug stanhope (laughs) i think they're both wonderful okay uh but so somebody came up to him after or wrote to him after a show and was like i was horrified by the things you said and he wrote back to them something like oh yeah when when we showed up to the to the venue and they gave us the script we were also horrified and they were like oh my god i thought you guys came up with the he's like no you know <laughs> so this person believed and i don't think that most people would i think most people know that the comedian is responsible for coming up with the material but that's the thing See, uh, that's another thing is that some people don't know that we actually uh you get to a point where you're not just going to say anything some comedians just say anything; they yeah, don't care. You can; you're allowed to. But but there's there's some there's a sensitivity or perspective that evolves at some point. So I think that a person that'd be like, "Oh, why did you say that? You were doing so well," or in some sort of way, which is kind of like, "I liked everything you said," but there's also this assumption that you you that you haven't ever thought about what you're saying and haven't ever considered what you're saying yeah. outside of that moment you're just going to say it because you said it but you have there's no sensitivity to well the way that you've approached saying that thing this woman uh who had the problem with the joke that mentioned autistic people mm-hmm. like i she was like i loved everything up until by the way that. it's a, a person with autism oh my. okay i i actually have a have i told you about my my fan who is, is that bobby mcparron falling yeah. down the uh, the stairs <laughs> It's a family. I think it's a Family Guy joke. Oh, that's my impression of me laughing at that joke. Um, I have a a a fan on Facebook, or a, and he's a Facebook friend, mm-hmm. and we 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 he sends me messages pretty frequently. Uh, at least I would say on an average week, once or twice, a couple, okay. maybe sometimes back and forth more than that. Mm-hmm. And he is a self-identified high-functioning autistic person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he. When I first wrote back to him, he was super thank. He's like, thank you so much for being. I was, you know, I wrote back to everything that he said. He's, thank you for being so verbal with me. I swear, uh, it's almost as if we're both autistic, and so I have I have some cred in this in this area. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Some of my some of my closest friends are autistic. Uh, autistic, artistic. Jesus. <laughs> some of my closest self might be autistic, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, this woman, she's like, I enjoyed everything up until that closing bit. Right. Uh, so she was like, maybe you consider not telling that anymore. And I was like, well, no. I mean, I've I, I told her, number one, so many people have come up to me that do know, like that seem experienced and aware and informed about this topic that thought positively of it. Number that's, one. That's the, that's the biggest, also the biggest assumption is that I am the first person to tell you what I'm about to tell you. And. And then on the other side, I, I was like, you enjoyed everything up to that point. There were jokes in there where I, like, jokingly make fun of, like, killing a person. Like, I'm like, I would, I killed that girl. Like, you know, some joke about, oh, this, I had a girlfriend who was weighed 100 pounds soaking wet because I know because I weighed her after I drowned her. Like, that's, you know, a thing that you don't have to enjoy that joke. But certainly listening to that joke, I was like, you know that I didn't do that, right? You, 
you know that I am joking and wouldn't do that and would think that murdering anybody would be bad. She's like, of course I know that. But she's like, but other people might think that you actually, I'm like, no, no, no. Everybody, like I'm telling things as jokes and people understand, as long as you say the words right. I have a joke where I, I say something like, how do we meet women? And a guy came up to me after the show, another comic, and was like, I love that joke. I, I didn't understand. Like, it was, seemed really non sequitur, but I liked it. seemed really funny that you were like, how do we, why can't we beat women? And I was like, oh, meet. Why can't we meet women? I was like, I got to enunciate. Like, <laughs> it's pretty important. That's true. That, that is, that, I always love that when people laugh at, oh, you know what? Something happened the other day at a show. Byron Bowers was on the show as well. It was at the improv. It was Bamford's shows. He is a, another comedian. Yeah, Byron Bowers. He is a, another African-American. Who is black, and his name is Byron. Yeah, your name is, is Byron. Which is the number one mistake besides Brian that people make when I say my name. Mm-hmm. It's Brian, Byron, or Barry. Mm-hmm. So Darren? Or Darren. Yeah. Darren happens, yeah. but like that, the, the d- B, I got a good B. People know they're d- b- Yeah, Black lips. B- b- so... <laughs> My plosives uh, are explosive. I am offended on behalf of b- 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 black people. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Sherry Black Lips. Thank you for mentioning me on the podcast. Uh, look, I am the pot, and I'm calling you a kettle. Okay. Uh, well, as long as you a black pot. All right. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. So anyway. You hit the black pot. Byron was on the show. I was on the show. I did some joke that, well, you know my joke about the, I don't know if you know my joke about the old black women are my, my greatest weakness. I do. Sugar, sugar, because they call me sugar, and then the whole thing about like I can't deny them because they're like you know I did it on my Conan set. If Understood. you are listening to my podcast, go check out my Conan set. First joke is weird, then it gets good after. <laughs> um, that happens to a lot of people. It all happens the time. to a lot of people. It's something about I think there's just something about the way that the stage is set up. Or not something. even just that show. Sometimes in a late night set, the first joke uh, I've it's been said like true. don't worry about your first that's joke. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I know. And I I it took me a long time to be like I got to stop obsessing about that one joke. Yeah. And realize that I did well in the rest of the set. Anyway. So I did that joke, right? Mm-hmm. And it was February. It is February. It was this podcast is not coming out in February. This will be. I, it was recorded in February. It's February recording in February. This, this time I did this show is February, right? Mm-hmm. And what's February? Black History Month. So I made a joke about in which I invoke the march from Selma to Montgomery, mm-hmm. right? Which I posit this woman was in, and that's why I have to do everything that she says. Yes. So I overheard. As I was walking in, because Byron and I before the show, and I think I might have said something at the top of my set, just like just after the show, don't congratulate me for Byron's set. At any other month, you can just, confuse us. Just take stock right now. We're different heights. We're in different clothes. We are, we admit we're sorry that our names we didn't make our names this. Our, our names are similar, but we have completely different acts. So. Don't congratulate me or congratulate him for what I said. Okay? All right. Now I'm going to start. So I said that at the top of my – so I overheard as I walked into the room an Irish guy talking to Byron. And I didn't hear what he was saying. Then later Byron came up to me and it's like this guy from Ireland came over and he was like, I didn't understand what you said, what, why, why it's funny that it's February. <laughs> and it's like, well, he's like, well, first of all, I didn't say that. <laughs> the other comic said that. Also, it's Black History Month in the United States. I know you guys don't have them in Ireland. <laughs> that, you, that you guys call them the British. But uh, uh, that's, that's what it is. Or you guys, are the, you guys are the British. You guys are the black people to the British. He was the one who needed February the most. Exactly. Why does, where's, when's Irish History Month? Where's that? March so, I don't, remember, I don't remember what the point of that story was. It's just kind of like uh, getting a, congratulated for other people. A thing that happened. A thing that happened. Uh, so yeah. the point is. The point. 
There comes a, a time in a relationship mm-hmm. when you define it as <laughs> monogamous. Well, look, maybe if you want to. I, I I do have more to say about that afterwards. If but. there is a unifying hypothesis or thesis, I think, to everything that Dan Savage says, it is be honest yeah. with the person that you're seeing about what it is that you're doing. And there's many ways that that can look, but be honest about it. And be honest with yourself about it. And be honest when it changes. Yes. I'm adding those last two, those sure. last two things. Because I think being honest with yourself is fucking hard, especially yeah. when things change. Yes. And the, the thing I was going to say is the, the, my most recent girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, when we you know, got together, mm-hmm. we didn't define the relationship for several months. DTR, it's a new mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And eventually, we, she, did t- she told me that she wanted to be my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I, that sounded – she was the – I wasn't – I think at the, in the beginning, I was – still like seeing other people with you know some irregularity you know it would happen i would hook up with somebody whatever she lived in a different city mm-hmm. uh and you know and there was no expectation of exclusivity at that point okay uh but so there came the time when she said i want to be your girlfriend and then i had to i was i wanted to make sure so we had a conversation where it was like what does that i'm happy to be boyfriend and girlfriend like i care about you uh, I we might have exchanged I love yous like I love I did I believe I did love her at mm-hmm. that time yeah and we had shared that uh, but I was like but I to be clear I was like I cannot be I you know I don't want to be I don't I do not desire a monogamous exclusive relationship and that is something that was not a surprise it should not be a surprise I mean because I wasn't heard like me being, on all these podcasts and yeah all and we you know we might have talked about it a little in the beginning but you know at this point I'm like this is when we need to talk about it uh, so we talked about it. And she, I thought that it could have, it could have broken us up it, if she didn't want it. If she was like, okay, she could have been like, that is not what I want at now. But at the time she was like, that is what I want. I mean, and she didn't say that is what I want. She said, I will try. Like I, she said, that is something, it makes sense. I understand uh, what it means, what it means in your life, what it means in your experience. Uh, it is not what I would have, you know, ideally, I, mean, I don't know if there is an idea, obviously in a situation where you have two people who already have this who who you know are on the same frequency on the same page uh the the same concepts resonate uh, others ways to say the same thing um wonderful you don't have you if you're you know you're already speaking the same language like then great but if you're not it's fine too as long as you're you're open and communicative and honest right. which we were and she was you know she was it was sort of a, a moving like an emotional conversation but she was like, I don't want to, I don't want to lose you. Uh, so I, I will, you know, she's like, I don't know if it will be for me, mm-hmm. but she's like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, and so a lot of people, then I went on another podcast. I went on Keith and the girl and I was talking about it. And Keith said, he was like, she's probably just, you know, she's just waiting for you to change your mind. I think she's just, she's not, she's telling you what you want to hear because she doesn't want to lose you. And I don't I didn't think that was the case right and I don't think and then she listened to that podcast and she's like that's not the case and she and we had this conversation because and ultimately uh you know I wasn't the only one who did take advantage of the openness uh I don't want to you know reveal her business too much but it certainly uh I I felt validated uh and and confident that she was telling me the truth also because she is a grown-up human being like, right, right, right. I, it's not, it's not your job to, if, if you're as open and honest as you can be, 
then it's not your job to decide for somebody else what their business is, what their thoughts and opinions and feelings. Like, if you think that they're lying to you, you should be like, is this really how you feel? Voice it. Yeah. Well, here's, and this is going to lead into my next question for you, which is the fact that, okay, because what you're saying in there reveals a lot of what I think are the biggest problems I see with how it is people think about relationships, the expectations that they have and the limitations of it and what it makes us feel and how it makes us act. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be my question to you is what do you see to be some of the problems in which way in some of the problems in how people do relationships. Right. Well, don't talk yet. Oh, I thought, (laughs) This is going to be the question. It is the question. That is the question. But But I'll tell you a couple of things that I think first. Please. God damn it, my podcast. (laughs) So, uh, okay, because you just said a couple of things, and this is a big thing. I like that you said she's a Mm grown-up. There is this big assumption that everyone is just going to lie to get what they want. Especially in our society the the patriarchal you know the the like women women are potential like women are socialized to Mm -hmm. you know like go like to go along like you know certainly not all women and today hope i think more than ever before Mm -hmm. like there are you know there are in there's a lot more independent minded women who speak their mind but there there have been times in history and certainly still people today Mm -hmm. women who will not and men who will not as well it is not there's no clear gender divide we see it every single night at a stand-up comedy show (laughs) when there is a uh we'll say a heterosexual couple in the audience and boy they check in with each other to see what they're laughing at and that will color their reaction oh i don't like that you use the word color oh Like a book <laughs> inside the lines of society. Uh, yeah, like, but so definitely, it's it makes sense whether whatever gender or configuration of a relationship you have mm-hmm. makes sense to check in with each other and make sure that you do know who you are and where you're coming from, and that you are sharing and being open and honest about the things that you both want to be. But then that's hard for people. Yes. And I think it has to do with high school. I think it just has to do with the fact that we, that most people got their hearts broken in high school. Ha. That fucking sucked. And we're spending the entire of the, of our, the entirety of our lives trying not to feel like we felt when we were 17, mm-hmm. basically. So we assume, and I think for a lot of people it's true, that your emotional growth has been stunted. Anytime you feel a bad feeling and you go, Fuck that feeling. I'm going to do everything in my power to not feel that. You are, you are taking yourself out of the path of learning to deal with that feeling. Oh, yeah. It hurt. It sucked. I don't want to feel it. So you put all the survival mechanisms and walls in the way so you never feel that way again. But then what you've done is you've robbed yourself of the muscle to deal with that feeling, to deal with that experience, and then you never really know how to do it. I think that when I got out of my marriage – I had that is when I learned about like I I am a person who up until I certainly I, if you're like do you like sadness like no thank you uh not a fan of sadness right uh like I do my best to not feel it uh but that was the moment in my you know late 20s when my marriage was over and I, that was like one of the maybe I think the one of the two saddest moments of my life like where for days like I was you know un not unconsolable, it's just uncontrollably like 
crying and like my mood was I was unable to get a handle on things okay uh and so I couldn't ordinarily I'd be like stop thinking about it you know get out of a relationship try to occupy yourself try to distract yourself. I couldn't do anything I just couldn't function for a little while I mean and I was sad for much longer than that like I mean it it affected me for longer but there was like a three-day period where I was just like gone and so that was what taught I mean I didn't I learned I was like well I have to feel this I can't not feel it I'm like I can't avoid it you can't deny it you can't deny it so it was then that I, I learned, I was like, and, and that makes sense. This person who I shared the longest, most substantial relationship of my life up until that point with is now not in my life. Even if I rationally know that it's for the best, it was mostly a mutual parting of ways, but it was still like, it's still hard. It's, you know, you, you, you know, when you push your arms against a doorway for a minute and then you step out of the doorway, your arms rise because they're, Oh, that thing is gone. Like now, now imagine doing that for seven years. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were only married for, we were together like three or four years. Okay. But not three and four years. Okay. Uh, that would be seven. Um, <laughs> I can do math, Mike. Uh, Continue. So I, that person was gone. And so there was now a hole in my life mm. that not needed to be filled, but that I had to, I had to just experience for a little while uh, because it was there. Uh, so that's when I learned that sadness, when it's reasonable, like, I mean, sometimes people like will overreact. Sometimes I'll get mad or set or upset and I'll be like, why am I feeling this way? Is it because I'm hungry? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like so frequently I'm like, oh, I haven't eaten all day. That's why this thing is affecting me. I'll eat and I'll be like, oh, that's still a problem. But at least I'm not out, of, you know, I'm not crazy about it. Right, right, right. Uh, but then there are times when I'm like, why am I upset about this? Oh, it's because a wrong has been done or something is not the way that I want it to be. Uh, you know, a relationship has ended. Sadness is warranted. Sadness is reasonable. And so... Sometimes, and I feel like in those moments, a sort of like a zen-like peace when I accept this, I'm like, oh, because part of sadness for a lot of people is then compounding it with beating themselves up over being sad. Right. Oh, why do I feel like this? Why do I feel, oh, now this, you and get now deeper, this. deeper in the hole. And that, so when I forget, obviously, I feel like it's, it's reasonable for anyone to not go that second step. Just feel the initial sadness is what I do. And then hopefully if I can be, you know, present about it be like ah that's okay just be sad and that's okay mm-hmm. i know i want to be happy but i know i and i will be happy i'll it's cyclical and i'll get there but it'll make me wor- feel worse to like beat myself up over being sad because you don't deal with the actual feeling the core feeling yeah you compound it with other layers so it's like it's it's the emotional equivalent of sweeping something under the carpet and it's a lot of stuff you sweep it under the carpet there's a clear lump and you're like, oh, let's put another carpet on it. Eventually, you're living on a stage. <laughs> Eventually, every time you, you're tripping over all the carpets that you put to not trip over what you put under the carpet. Yeah. You dig? <laughs> so, and you should dig. Dig should that dig. stuff out. Dig that stuff out. So it's just kind of like that's one of the biggest things I think that happens is that we, we, we have little trust for people. We don't trust people to be honest with us. And, and it's happened so often that now it's just kind of like I'll make this 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 uh, comparison, and then I'll answer your question. Okay, I'll make this comparison: the financial institution. Right now, the last couple months, my life has fallen apart financially. It's starting to get put back together little by little, which is great. But it's really hard to talk about this to anybody because basically, 
everyone's advice to me, if I put them all together into one idea, they're really just going, why didn't you not do that? That's basically the essence of what everybody has said to me. Now, there's very little, like when the economic collapse happened, and there was a lot of talk about oh, people living beyond their means. Fucking people, right? It's all people's fault. <laughs> and then the 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 you know uh, the housing thing collapsed and the banks collapsed, but we still go like fucking people did it, people. But we don't. Now there's this built-in assumption it that wasn't it wasn't the buildings. Well, there's this built-in assumption that every financial institution is corrupt and crooked. They're going to take advantage of you, and you need to know that. And that if you do, and if you get in bed with them in any sort of way and you get fucked, that's your fault. Yeah, you should have not done that. Don't get in bed with a bank. Get your money in your bed. In your bed. Put it in your bed. So there's this kind of like, but there's it's predatory lending. It's predatory credit. That's what it's built on. That we that they'll they, they'll barrage us with images and ideas of things we can't have and blah 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 and things that we could have, but then we don't know how to fight against that. Especially if you no one ever taught you and you were eighteen. You know what I mean? So it's like, why isn't there financial planning classes in well, high school? Didn't your Jewish family teach you about starting an IRA and paying off your credit card every month? And, and that's the thing. And I get, I get personal responsibility. I get it. And I, I mean, get that's that- what my my family did. They were like, when you get a credit card, you should have it to build credit, but don't ever let a balance build up because then you'll have to pay more than for the things for that the you thing. bought. And I didn't get that. No, didn't have yeah. Jewish parents. <laughs> Sorry, Baron. I know. Yikes. Uh, Not one of those tribes of uh, Ethiopia. Sorry. Also, uh, there's probably families who are not Jewish who will impart that to people as well. Exactly. And there are Jews who won't. So who won't? It's just that in my situation, money has always been this evasive thing that you never have enough of and everybody wants it from you. Right. So it's like when I have it, I don't think of it because I I basically have decided that the two ways to uh, financial responsibility are paranoia or shittiness. That's basically it. Either you're just really paranoid that you're not going to have money and you hoard it in paranoia. Sure. Or you spend it and you don't have any money and you feel shitty because you don't have any money. You know what I recommend? Somewhere in between. There's got to be an in-between, but I'm telling you, we, we, we live in those extremes. Equilibrium. The point is, is that these, a lot of these institutions are corrupt, but it's hard to avoid them if you want to do anything. If you want to exist in this country... Unless you oh, yeah, declare the, yourself a sovereign nation. College loan debt, all kind of credit card debt. There's lots of debt. There's all that yeah. shit that it's hard to resist when no one has told you how to do it. But and it's like and it's hard to get once you get under it, it's really, really hard to get out from under it. I think I think I read at some point in the past little while that the average person or family is maybe like in America, ten thousand dollars in debt. Mm-hmm. The average, okay. something like that. I maybe. know the average college debt is twenty thousand. Sure, so that that makes sense. Not everybody went to college. Not everybody has that debt. Right. They, everybody has. Most people have some debt. So if you get like out of if you get out out of college and you if you're an adult now with no debt, then you're ahead of you know ahead most of, of the people. Game, but I do know a lot of adults with no debt, and guess what? They didn't do. They didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. And there's of course the big part of them that's like, fuck, I should have went. Should have got this degree. Should have got this blah. I'd have a better job. I'm not in debt though, so. It's like there's no guarantee that you'll get an amazing job if you go to college. Anyway, the point is these institutions, we have taught ourselves to accept that these things are corrupt and we have to be prepared. And people are just like, why weren't you prepared to be treated like shit and tricked? Right? Right. That is how we approach relationships. Yes. Why weren't you prepared? (laughs) Don't you know everyone's lying? Everyone's just saying 
what they want to get you to do what they want. Why didn't you become romance detective? Why didn't you become romance detective? So it's like, that's a big assumption is that people are, people are just saying what they think you, they want you to hear. No wow. one's actually saying what they feel. They're lying to you. They're lying to themselves. It's just a bunch of lies. So just do it with one person. Uh. <laughs> yeah. C- c- contain the lies. If I got to lie yeah. this much with one person. There's three, I think three things that I want to get to. Hopefully do it. One is about Cosmo. One is about the worst person I dated. And one is the about being honest in relationships. The, the Cosmo, Cosmo thing. Yeah. dated. Honest. Uh, Cosmo, I read, I, like, I, I would read for fun. And you mean Cosmopolitan, you know? not I, the very popular Michael Richards character from Seinfeld. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean Cosmo Kramer. Okay. Uh, uh, in a Cosmo that I would like to read. really, yeah. I mean, you know, Michael Richards is like a, like, if you're black and you say Michael Richards, it's basically the equivalent of Michael Richards saying the, the N word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, I, I would read, like, you know, there's some, some, like, weird... I would read them for fun. Like, there's right. some really funny things mm-hmm. in Cosmo. Like, hopefully, like, I, I, there's so many things I'm like, this cannot be... Like, nobody, nobody could ever be taking most of this seriously. Mm-hmm. I hope. Like, here was, like, an ostensibly serious thing that was like, hey, show th- women, show this to your guy. Uh, it's a translation for him, so he'll know when you say a thing, he'll know what you really mean. Like, if, you're, if two of you are at a party, and you want to go and he says do you want to go and you say no it's okay i mean like if you say like i could go and you stay that tell that'll should now show this to your guy he'll know that means we should both go yeah. you come with me like where can Instead you of, can just, you just say yeah, will, say the thing yeah, that you want go. to happen i would love if you left with me or if you don't want that to happen, like you could actually be okay with him staying at a party and you not being at a party. Giant, uh, giant double speak all the time. I was just, I was like, oh my god, why, why are you teaching? Like you could, you could teach them the right thing, but then, <laughs> but, but, but they didn't. But you can't say what you mean. Yeah. So, uh, like, and that the only person that I've dated that I honestly that I know probably lied to me. Mm-hmm. Uh. There were two times, like one, we were, we started dating and maybe like I met her in like February and then over the summer it was in, I was in grad school, she was in college and I went to uh, work at the summer camp and she went to Paris and she had my email passwords because I'm a trusting person. Uh, why not? Like uh, maybe one time she had to go into it like, oh, could you find this thing for me? I'm not at a computer. Thank you. She had my password. I didn't change it. I trusted her. We are together. We love each other. Everything's right, fine. Right. Nobody's uh, never had a problem with this before. Uh, so she was in France and like, I got an, either a a mad phone call or message or email or something. She was like, who's this Mickey? Mickey was a girl who was a friend of mine who had emailed me and all, there was nothing in the email uh, nothing had ever happened with, with this person. It just said, love Mickey at the end of it. And she's like, what's this love? I don't know who this person is. Why does this person love what? And I was like. This is the craziest thing. Like, number one, this is a weird thing to be mad about that I have friends who I say love and then our name at the end of it. But also the most common way yeah. to sign off a letter. How did you why did you see this? And then her explanation was she's like, I hadn't gotten an email from you in a while. I wanted to check in your email to make sure that you had gotten it and or whether you had read it. I used your password to go in there, and then French keyboard is different. Somehow that email opened. And I was like, at the time, I was like, that doesn't sound like the truth. Uh, 
But I mean, she snooped like most likely she was just like, I will look at this email. I don't know who it's from. Like maybe that didn't happen. Maybe it, but either way it was something unreasonable happened. And I just sort of and let it go. She was in an insecure moment in an insecure place. And I, yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't make a big deal about it. I was like, this, this isn't a big deal. I was like, you don't make a big deal about this. I don't make a big deal about this. We're fine. Uh, she came back to, to Boston to school. We were happy ish. Like we, the relationship was bad for other reasons. Uh, but eventually we broke up. I broke up with her because I didn't want to be with her anymore. And then she told me a week later, uh, she came to me and was like, I, uh, have something to tell you. And I was like, Oh no, are you're pregnant? And she was like, yes. And so honestly, I, then we, I, we sort of got back together for a little while, like while deciding what to do. She was not a super practicing Catholic, obviously to get pregnant, but she was Catholic enough that she was pretty conflicted about, she was like, I'm 21. I have my whole, you know, my, my life ahead of me. I don't want to have a baby, but I also don't want to, you know, I don't want to, nothing is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but she did make a plan to go to Planned Parenthood. She planned not parenthood. Uh, <laughs> and this is a thing that I've worked on as a bit at times, right. that, but the ultimate, ultimately she called me the day before of the, the day before the appointment and said, I fell down the stairs, went to the doctor. I'm not pregnant anymore. And I was like, that's like the most stereotypical way at the time. I didn't think it, but in, when I would tell this people to people in, in the future, they were like, she lied to you about being pregnant. And then at the last minute was gave you the biggest lie about how you stop being pregnant. Like that's the, if you Googled, like, how do you pretend to get pregnant and then not be pregnant? Like that would be the, the prototypical example. Wow. So I think now it seems like she lied about that whole thing, which was crazy because we were also, I believed her. I trusted her. I, why wouldn't I believe her? She was a person. I, I didn't think she was, I didn't think she was a liar, but we had unprotected sex during the time that I thought she was pregnant, if she wasn't actually pregnant, she could have, that could have been a trick to get pregnant so that it wasn't a lie. Like, thank. But it makes you, it makes you question everything. Yeah. It makes you go, wait a minute, what and how and who, but, but. And so nothing like that is that I've been fortunate in the people that I've been with since that. And, but also obviously a little savvier made by that situation, but still, I still am optimistic. I, I'll go, I'll be as honest as possible. And that's the third thing is, there have been uh, my most recent relationships. I am the, the here's the thing that I'm really honest about is when I'm unhappy about something in the relationship or even something just generally about mm -hmm. the relationship. Like there are people with whom we've been like I talked about I thought about breaking up today. I thought that maybe we should break like I, this is the because those are things that I would keep bottled up years ago. Like, you know, in college, a little after college, like I'd be with somebody and about six months I'd be like. Oh no, you get that, the seed, that pit in, inside you. And you're like, I think we, we might have to break up, mm -hmm. but don't tell her. Obviously just think about it. Think about it to yourself for a while, <laughs> you know, let it marinate, let it let, grow, let, it, let, let it, it stew. Let it uh, color all of your actions. And, and then eventually just surprise. And they know nothing about it. Like, whereas now, if that happens, if there's some reason to discuss an actual, you know, uh, whether something is irreconcilable or not, just some dis difference of opinion or agreement or behavior or style or whatever it is in the relationship that is giving you the, the reason to feel these things, bring, I bring it up and almost always, even if the, uh, the relationship ends, uh, which most of them do, um, that's, uh, that's Dan Savage for you. Yeah. 
Uh, every relationship yes. fails until one doesn't, until which one. is that's anti-poly because more than one could not. <laughs> uh, you could have. It two. could be one yeah. or two. Yeah, it could be several. You I could. Think, as, I think we're included in as that. many as you like. Um, but now, like often, bringing that up, telling telling somebody what you're upset about will make you w- makes me feel better. Like I almost always, after I reveal that I was unhappy about something, like. Yeah, that, that's this, you know, the, the people talk about truth telling comedy, like, like, like comedians that like, ah, uh, the brutal honesty, the soul searching, the catharsis. And that's everybody can have that. Everybody can have that experience by if you can acknowledge if when I acknowledge what I'm actually feeling and then share it with the person to whom it is relevant, uh, then they can respond. They can share like I feel the same thing or I feel this. And then you can work on it together. Or figure out that you don't want to work on it together. But either way, it makes it so easy. Rather than hiding it and just like, well, I'll just go along with the status quo until something major. Well, I mean, a lot of people come to like comedy because these comedians are, quote unquote, saying things that I could never say. But sometimes those things are really simple to say. They're, they're hard to say, but you can say them. It's It's very hard to be honest in your life because... Like, I always say sometimes that there's two kinds of people. There are, there are the people that are, I always say, Jesus. One time I said that around John Mulaney, and he's like, did you just quote yourself? <laughs> and, now I'm, and now I'm always self-conscious about that. Um, there is, There are two kinds of people. Those who are really good with confrontation with strangers and those who are really good at confrontation with the people they know and love and trust. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tend to be good at confrontation with people I love and trust and know. Strangers I don't care about because they have no impact on my life besides the immediate someone cuts me in line elbows me accidentally steps on my shoes it depends on the mood i'm in but it's like most of the time i'm like i don't know what's going on in our lives also they could be a murderer they could and they could be a murderer yeah. i'm just gonna let that one go yeah right they could snap and kill you exactly or actually um in vancouver recently matt kershen had in front of me getting off of an airplane had this weird interaction with some gi- giant guy that was it was so strange and matt was like and I remember Matt just being like, what, what is your, like, just because the guy was being unnecessarily like weird. Sure. And then it got weirder. And Matt was like, there's no need for this. <laughs> it's just like, this is completely uncalled for. You know this, right? And I, cause at first I thought he was talking to me cause I was behind him. I'm like, Oh, what's happening. I'm going to look at my phone. So as not to get involved. <laughs> Let me see if that Wi-Fi in Vancouver airport is working. Um, but with people I know and love and, and they're going to be in my life. I don't want to have all this weird, unsaid BS between us. Yes. Because B- I have to see them. B-yes, not BS. <laughs> Christ. Patented Mike Kaplan. Okay. <laughs> so Cosmo, worst painting person I dated, and honesty. And, right. This, which is sort of what I started. I think, I think being honest about the status of the relationship in your mind, like whether, you know, if you're thinking about breaking up, like that sort of thing, which speaks to the, the thing you brought up earlier about people's expectations in relationships, mm-hmm. which I think people have in, sort of an unspoken, a lot of the time, expectation that, oh, this relationship could last forever. Like, I, maybe I want it to last forever. Like, because here's the thing. Not everybody wants every relationship to last forever. So that's one, that's something that you could, you know, figure out at some point, you know, not necessarily first date. Be right. like, but what are you looking for at this stage of your life or ultimately in your life? Like, a partner, you know, or a fling or a hookup or, you know, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm open to anything. Right, right. I remember, uh, I don't remember who it was. Oh, but it was Eliza. It was Eliza Skinner. We were talking about, I don't remember what we were talking about exactly, but she talked about some interview with Brad Pitt in which he was asked, oh, you had such a great marriage with 
Jennifer Aniston, uh, and then it ended. What happened? Why? What was the problem? And apparently his his answer was something like, "We had a really good marriage for a couple of years, and we're still friends." I think that was a success. It's like, why why can't that be a successful marriage? Yeah, it has to be forever, or it's fucked. Yeah, if somebody dies, you win. <laughs> Basically, till death do us part. I fucking won. Yeah. I'm on top of the mountain. Yeah, it's uh, you can have a successful. Re- I think that my marriage uh was certainly. I don't regret it. I mean, to talk of it as a success or not a success, like, is even that's flawed. Like, logically, like, it I mean, flawed. It, it doesn't because I was about to say, like, I think it was a success, but then I was like, but I mean, we were sad at the end. Like, we definitely didn't do everything that we could have at every point. But you don't regret it. And it, when it was good, it was good, and you you really went for it. And it was a useful experience. Like, but yeah. at the end of it, we did go to couples therapy, at, which was it's a really interesting thing because couples therapy. I mean for a lot of people is about trying to be like, we want to be together. Let's help. Fi- let's figure out how we keep being together. Uh, we went to couples therapy and then we each had our own individual therapist, at least for a little while. And for me, that was super useful because I found like, even in couples therapy where you're supposed to be able to share, like it's the most important thing to share your innermost feelings, honestly with the person. But I was I, like my individual. Is that why ecstasy was created? Yeah. <laughs> for couples therapy. Uh, my individual therapy was so I was able to be like so much more forthright and honest with myself and with the, like, just be like, this is what I feel. I didn't say that in couples therapy. I need to, and like, so I would couples therapy would be like a few steps behind, like, like a week later, a few weeks later, I'd be like, here's what I said at my regular therapy. Now I need, I need to say it to you because it's important that you know how I'm actually feeling like, because yeah, it was so interesting. Uh, sorry to start a thing like that. No. Was, this was really interesting. Uh, my life story. Uh, <laughs> but when we when we realized, we, you know, we were like, I was like, we're we're unhappy. Like we're unhappy. Something needs to change. Something's got to give. Yeah. If I, I in my mind, here's the, here was the difference of expectation, the difference of, of assumption. Okay. We were married. In her mind, she was like, we're a family unit. We're going to figure this out on our own. And I was like, yes. But also, if we don't, if we continue and it's like this, unhappy, both of us unhappy for some, I don't have the amount of time, mm-hmm. it, I, but for long enough, then we stop being a unit. Like, that's, that's, and she was like, I brought up the word and the concept of divorce. I didn't invent it, but in the relationship, I brought it up and she was like, oh, oh my God, no, I don't. And that's, that's when we started going to therapy to talk about these things. Because I think she was, you know, going through her own individual uh, emotions and experiences, uh, which obviously impacted upon me and my experiences. But, like, I think that's when she viewed, like, when I, it was really serious for me, but saying that and getting that out there was important. Because if I didn't say that, then she wouldn't have known how important it was. She wouldn't have known how important it was, exactly. Instead Instead of not saying the thing that you think is going to scare her, you're like, no, because that's, that is a big thing I see. Is that sometimes people don't because they want to bring it up with a smile or they want to they want to kind of water it down and candy coat it. They will not say the thing that's important to them in a way that communicates the importance. Yes. A lot of the times it'll be like, hey, you know, if you could do uh, this, that's, <laughs> if you could just do this thing, sometimes it's extremely important to me, but I'm just going to, but I don't, it's not a big deal. I don't want to make you feel bad. I want to make you feel bad. But you're doing everything wrong. But you're doing everything wrong. <laughs> Oh, wouldn't it be so funny if, if I could just do something right? 
every now and then. Just but like when you think about it, like when you think of it, yeah. just do something right. I mean, and if you could think about it, <laughs> but it's like sometimes you have to you have to make that shit land, you know. And, yeah. it, and it is hard, but of course, there's also the imbalance of there's undersharing, but there's oversharing. Sure, everything is in a fight. It's that balance, but you have to know how to. Again, it's trial and error. You're not just going to automatically be amazing at like communicating everything that you want to, need to, in a way that is great and understandable. I think that like Louis C.K. has said, like with respect to comedy, and like whenever I think when like Tracy Morgan uh, said, you know, uh, something homophobic about his son, right, uh, that he would stab him if he told him he was gay, right, uh, and most people jumped down Tracy Morgan's throat and demanded an apology, pulled it out. Uh, and Louis C.K. Wa- was more on the side. He's like, I think that this would be a better, it would be better if people didn't just demand an apology, but instead start a conversation, like find out where is this coming from? What is the root? Like, because prob- I think most of us th- agree that Stacey, Mor- Trace- Stacey Morgan is not a person. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a we person. All, we all can agree that Stacey Morgan doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's probably a Stacey Morgan. If she's listening. Yeah. Um, or male, Stacey can be a male name yeah. as well. Stacey Keach. Exactly. Uh, Tracy Morgan uh, is unlikely to stab his son. <laughs> yes. Like, so it's a joke, I mean, but clearly comes from a place that a lot of people were upset by and afraid, afraid of. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, is he serious? Like, would he, like, where is this? Because... Tracy Morgan was, I think, saying at, at the same times like that he's like, my comedy comes from the same place that Richard Pryor's does, like a place of honesty. So right. if like you can't have it both ways, you can't be like, oh, it's just a joke and it's coming from a place of honesty. It has to be. I mean, it can be both of the. It, can, it can't be just a joke and honest. It has if it can be it can be a joke and honest, but it can be a joke tempered by honesty or yeah. honesty tempered by jokes. And it could be a joke and not honest. And so if you know. The, so the question is, I mean, Louis C.K.'s point was that more speech is generally better. I think he might have said always. Like, more, like, having this conversation, he said that, now somebody else says something, and as long as we're all talking and not stabbing, then everything is, that is good. We will get to a better place where we understand where everyone's coming from. And so in relationships, same thing. Like, say more things. Like, I think, err on the side of sharing more. Like, and then- And then pull it back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or if, if, if you're ever like I've been in, but it's also yeah. different with different people. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, I was in a relationship uh, where I will definitely I can get obsessive about, like, say I'm if I'm in an argument, I will want to sometimes win the argument, or like if the other, you know. But in a in a relationship, like sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes there's no winning in the way that I want. Where I'll like I dis I refute this, I refute this, I disprove what you just said, everything that you said. I have an answer to, but she's like. I am mad about how you are. I like. I want to just stop arguing right now. Can we stop yeah, arguing yeah, yeah. right now? Can like whatever it is that started it. Can we stop right now? And I'll be like, but I am angry right now and want to keep arguing. So I had to learn in that relationship when that happened. When I got really worked up to put the argument on pause. Not like you can say everything that you want to say. Eventually, like you don't have to say everything when it's happening. But you have to because if you want to keep being in the relationship because you care about the person Mm -hmm. then listen to them too and if they're like let's not do this now that's fine but if it's an important thing then be like oh well we have to then have this conversation later but yes let's stop for now Let's stop i've gotten i have gotten uh in trouble for the tone the tone of voice that i've used or the authoritativeness in which i might communicate what it is i want to communicate (laughs) It's just like you sound. I've seen until you sound 
so sure of yourself as if what you're saying is the ultimate truth. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not, I'm saying that this is how I feel. I'm making statements. I'm sure that this is how I feel. I'm sure that this is how I feel in this moment. I'm positive this is what I'm saying. See, but that's the other thing is I, I make the assumption that you know, I know, I'm not God. Everything I say, you could put, I think, at the beginning of it. At the think, exactly. This is what I think. This is what I feel. I'm not saying, and I'm, and I'm open to, because you know what? And I think sometimes it's like I get used to dealing with comedians. Um, and, and a lot of my friends are, they're very good communicators. So I get used to communicating. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I get used to communicating in statements. And then I expect a person to be like, no, here's my statement. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Then we both make statements. Yeah. We ask some questions based on those statements. And then we both leave knowing something more. Yeah. Hopefully. Sometimes, like, I'll be having a conversation, be it in life or in a podcast or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Podcast is not life. Uh, Yet. But, uh, yeah, eventually, all. Um, Everything's going to be a podcast soon. uh, But sometimes, like, I will be telling a story and then somebody will jump in. And then they'll be, oh, I'm sorry that I interrupted you. And And I will be, like, for the most part, like, that is a conversation. That's how it works. I mean... If I was, like, in the middle of a sentence, then maybe I will finish. But I, I get that you now have a thing to say, and then I'll say what I we, – we can go back and forth and say things. But obviously, in a, and in a relationship, that often becomes more charged for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, because I'll, I'll be expecting that dynamic where if somebody says something, then, like, oh, I'll jump in. And they're like, I wasn't finished. Like, oh, well, I wanted to – okay, I can – you know, so you have to – it's just important to learn the dynamic – and that's something I've learned because I, I will jump in and I'll say, I'm sorry, let, if I can tell that they haven't hit their point yet mm-hmm. and that I'm reacting to what I've heard so far. You're responding to the setup. I'm responding. That's exactly right. I'm responding to the setup and I'll, I'll see it on their eyes like, oh, you haven't made your point. Go on. I'll, I'll say what <laughs> I have to say because maybe it'll be maybe you're about to address exactly what I was about to ask. I have a joke about fisting. Oh, and there's part of it where I say. Uh, do you think that people who enjoy fisting, then uh, another thing, do you think that those people are the same kind of people as this? But sometimes when I say, do you think that people who enjoy fisting, somebody will be like, nope. Like they're, ans- they're, they're thinking that I'm asking, do I think, do you think that people enjoy fisting? They're like, no, they don't. I'm like, no, no, no. Already there, there, there's a presupposition in there. You're missing some of the words that I'm saying. There are you, people who enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a question about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not not just asking in general. Also, even even if there weren't such people, I could still do you think that unicorns are nope, no unicorns. Like <laughs> let me ask my question. Traffic is back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I didn't come to comedy to hear imagination. <laughs> I just want statistics read in funny voices, please. <laughs> now, if you if you please tell me the GNP of Nigeria, but say it like a <laughs> sailor that's been at sea too long. Oh, the, the winds were rough that day, that year. The winds were so rough that the products were not <laughs> as gross. <laughs> we are having fun. Oh, man. That, what, a, what a great character that what would a great be. Man. Funny voice statistic delivery. I only want factual information <laughs> and funny voices, please. Yeah. And if and please also say I think at the beginning of everything. Say I think, even though you're looking at empirical evidence. Yeah. 
All you know is what other people told you. They could be liars. Everyone's liars. This is the meaning of comedy. <laughs> that and Daniel Tosh. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> oh, nice little tangent there. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, honesty is, honesty is hard. And also, I was just talking about this at lunch with our friend Matt Matt Knudsen. Knudsen. Uh, And I talked about this. Uh, uh, To go back for a second to when, the thing that John Mulaney called you on, when you say, I say this kind of thing. Yeah. uh, Number one, I think I've heard that Pete Holmes also is, I think, I don't know if John Mulaney called him on it as well, but Pete always on his podcast will be like, I may have said this before, or I've definitely said this. a thing I say. But that is, and I say it because I don't want it. I know that I've said this before. Of course. It applies to the current conversation, but I don't want you to think that I just said this right now. So that way, when you say that to someone else and they're like, Baron told me this, he's like, he told me that, that he didn't say, I always say. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm absolving you. Because from my perspective, I understand that. I, but John I was also, he was cracking a joke. Oh. But I was like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Here, here's the thing I've said and will say again and again. Past, present, future, things. Which is really funny. As a comedian, our job is to say things that we've said again and again. Uh, you and, think of them. You, re, you restate them until they're succinct. But when you go to an audience, you're not like, here's my opener. My new opener is, here's uh, an hour of things I've said. You know what's uh, plus maybe a few minutes of things. That I, I was haven't. I was literally about to say the thing that I think is weird that people say. I was about to say, well, you know what's funny is when people say, you know what's funny, <laughs> uh, like that's, that's in, a great tweet in stand up when people are like, it's funny to me when it's like, yeah, I I I think I assume that this must be funny to you. This is why you're talking about it in stand up. Oh oh yeah, definitely. I mean, did I earlier say the interesting thing? That's another. That's the same kind of thing. Like just say the thing. Yeah, like, but you know it's because it's because funny when when they say it in that context, it's yeah. because it's it has different kind of something that's strange or odd yeah. or I thought this was unique. Yeah, which is why I try to use strange or odd or unique. Yeah, or I love it when that's my go-to. Oh yeah, I love it when this thing happens. I love it when you use I love it. All right, calm down. <laughs> um, where were we? Oh yeah, so John Mulaney. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Mulaney. <laughs> it's pronounced Mulaney. Uh, so I interrupted myself about to say a thing, mm-hmm. but don't remember that thing. What don't were we talking? What was the thing right before? What we were talking about, ironically, is when people interrupt you, ah, and that's what a conversation <laughs> you interrupted yourself. Ooh, you interrupted yourself talking about when people interrupt you or when you interrupt somebody. Uh, Just that that's a conversation. But you were saying that in a relationship, it's more charged. Oh yeah, no. Okay, well I'll tell you two things. A please, couple things. Please. Um, I read this interesting thing, which was I remember uh, it. Okay, go ahead. At lunch with Matt Knudsen. Matt Knudsen. Uh, and we were talking about... Okay, I remember where it happened. I don't remember the thing yet. You go on. Well, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Okay, well, here's what I'm going to say, just so we can, we can clock it. Expectation. Uh, that's the next thing I'm going to say. So there was this article that I saw. It was a study that... First of all, I saw this I thought was fascinating. Uh, other thing, which was that the biggest problem with most studies is that... It's a really skewed section of the population they're talking to. It's like, especially was, there was a book, it was about relationship studies and like all these assumptions about sexual ideas and mores. It's usually because these sociologists are at a college and then they ask a swath of college students these questions and then apply that to humanity. Um, No, 21-year-old college students don't have enough experience to say this is they can say what they think 
but it doesn't speak for people who are 40. Also, last I, I checked, there was a time some number of years ago, it's definitely in the past 15 years, mm-hmm. uh, the percentage of Americans who go to college, do you have an estimation? Uh-oh. I'm, I'm holding scared. up the number of fingers. 1%. Really? Of I don't know if that's accurate still, but there was a time. And Well, 1% is what? 3 million? Yeah. I mean, we're 300 million. I, it seems... Maybe it, it, that seems like very low, but one percent is still gigantic. Yeah, that it actually does make sense. I mean, a big college is forty thousand, sixty thousand students, forty to sixty thousand students. Yeah, say fifty thousand, and then how many fifty thousands? There's twenty in those to make a million, uh, and so then three million would be sixty big colleges. It's got to be more than that. Okay, good. Never mind. Okay. Maybe there's 1%. Now that we did the math of yeah. the uh, initial check, not, not so much. <laughs> yeah. So Never there was mind. a study that said that it, it was just interesting. It, it's, it's apparently 40% of all couples who, ha- who are explicitly discussing whether or not they're exclusive or monogamous, 40% of those people leave not knowing what they decided. Oh, that's not good. No, it's not. But that goes to the communication thing. It goes to I'm afraid to say what I really want to say because I like you. Oh, yeah. And I don't want you to go away. Oh, I'm going to wait you out. I'm going to – I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to uh, try to change your mind in the course of, what, of what's going on. So it's like – but 40% of people who apparently are, are saying, are we exclusive and monogamous, don't know what they decided, even though they have specific, specifically explicitly discussed this subject. There was one relationship where I was in that was I was trying to be I wanted to be open in some form Mm -hmm. and she uh, was intellectually on board but didn't want to be like full on like my ideal would have been like, you know, we love each other. We don't have other relationships, but we can maybe sleep with a stranger once in a while if we want to. Right. Uh, You know, that and she was like, I don't want us sleeping with people right away. Let's try to work our way up to that. So how about making out with a stranger? Okay. But penetration of a stranger, uh, not okay. No okay. And so we're like, okay, great. We agree. And then I did something that was not penetration of a stranger, but was not just making out with a stranger. Okay. So I was like, I think I'm on technically ethical grounds here. But I told, I told her because that was the agreement. And she was like, that is not what I thought would be happening. Uh, because you yeah you need to spell things out. You do have to spell it out. I mean, uh, you, yeah, you went on a technical loophole. I'm on I'm on her side on this one. <laughs> I didn't I didn't go into any loopholes. Uh oh, I just looped. No holes. <laughs> you fucking asshole. All right, that was enjoyable. Who are you texting? What's going on? Oh, I am looking up the percentage of Americans who have a college degree. Oh, did you find it yet? Uh, let's see. This graph shows the educational uh, attainment of the population 25 years and over by age. 1947 to 2003. Okay, I'll, I'll let you continue looking at those stats. Okay, I think I got it. I think uh-oh, okay. In figure one, uh-oh. Uh, it's, been, it's been going steadily up. From 1950, less than 10% uh, had a bachelor's degree or more. That's figure one? Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> I got broken. Uh, <laughs> and then by 2000, it looks like it's over 20%, but it is certainly... Like it's like twenty percent of people went to college. Between twenty and yeah, between twenty and twenty five percent of Americans in this millennium about have a college, have a bachelor's degree or more. That's about twenty percent higher than what you think. It is. I was wrong, but actually, it was the past when I said it's this. Twenty percent of people have a degree. 
Yeah. That's not the amount of people currently in college. It is not. Because 20% of people, that speaks to people who have been in college years ago. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that college students are a good demographic to judge all of society by. That was never what Not this, at the yeah. time. Okay. No. Yeah. Uh, especially not at the time that they were in college. So, but that does speak to if this statistic I'm I'm assuming is, is was done with a uh, three thousand college students or something. So it's like, yeah, in college probably not. But I think that that idea lasts. I think that people we get attached and we don't want to let go of people, and then sometimes we don't ask for what we need, so that way we continue to have the person. Yes, and here's the thing: I remembered the thing that you want that you had with Matt. Nope. The actual statistic though. One percent of people in the world have a college degree. Ah, that's a bigger place. Or went to college. Yeah, <laughs> I. It was one of the def, definitely. That is absolutely what at that time, ten, fifteen years ago, one percent of world of Earthlings, uh, went to college or have a, a college degree. Makes a sense. That that makes a lot more sense to me. Yep. Uh, so what was that? That was a, oh expectation. Yes. Do you remember the thing with Matt Knudsen yet? Uh, expectation. Nope. Don't. Okay. Sorry. Check out his comedy. Great guy. This, yeah, Conan. He was on Conan. Mm -hmm. It's Matt Knudsen. K-N-U-D-S-E-N. True. Okay. Matt spelled regular. Yep. Matt spelled regular. <laughs> Not like a glossy. K-apostrophe. K <laughs> Matt Knudsen. <laughs> uh, that would be awful. Uh, please don't name your child Kamat. Okay. So, uh, okay. This article I read, it was called The Expectations Trap. That's what it was. And no. I do think that there are, let me say, yeah. sorry to interrupt, uh, there are studies that do have, hopefully, uh, scientists that are like, oh, we should try to get as many diverse people as possible because that's we want to extrapolate to the whole of our uh, social community. Uh, yes, exactly. A good cross-section. There are people who do that. Representative cross-section. Yes. Uh, yeah, there are people who do that, but it's harder when, you're, when they're college students or they're on a college campus. Sure. Depending on where the college campus is. If you're in Chicago, then good. You're in a city. Yep. <laughs> you go out into the streets of Chicago. Go to Chicago, everyone. Don't stay on, in Northwestern and be like, this represents everyone. Yes. Okay. So, somebody actually just emailed me from Northwestern today to ask to interview me. Fucking and I'm like, and they're doing a good job. They're doing a good, they're reaching out beyond Northwestern. Fucking Northwesterners with their fucking. So anyway, uh, it's just all about the kind of expectations. I've, I've, there's this book. It's fascinating. It's called Marriage. Colon, a history. Ha ha ha. Written by a woman named Stephanie Kuntz. Ha ha ha. I'll leave that out there. <laughs> uh, no relation to Dean Ho. Dean Ho? Okay. Um, With the, uh, the old comedy uh, venue in Boston. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, such a, oh, God. It's the Ding Ho. The Ding Ho. That's close. So, this book is about the history of marriage and it's all its different Why masks. Okay, sorry. Mas marriage and history. Um, and she was a big part of this uh, this article that I read, and it's just about like she said that what we have in marriage now, in in North America especially, or the United States especially, is in the history of the world, marriage. We have unprecedented what what marriage what makes marriage new, unique now. We have unprecedented freedom uh, to choose whom it is we wish to marry, right? Mm -hmm. um, even not counting gay marriage. People are just like, I want to marry that girl, and they, you can marry her if you want. Yeah, uh, it's not the elders have chosen you a bride anymore. Unprecedented freedom, unprecedented uh, expectations heaved upon that one partner. Mm. That's the other thing, because marriage five hundred years ago 
you weren't expecting that wife or that husband to be everything to you. And also, they would die much sooner. Much sooner, but it was also more about, like, we have fortified the unit that now we can win this war. Oh, yeah. That our families and, are joined. And ancient Greece, you know, you would have the woman to give you the babies because that's how society continued. But also, you would have intellectual sex with boys and men. Exactly. Disc- discourse. Inter- <laughs> interdiscourse. <laughs> uh, yeah. Discourse instead of intercourse. Well, that sounds that sounds correct. Yeah. So it's just, and the, the article is just about the the amount of expectations that we heave upon a person. That basically, and I remember telling you this once in a long conversation uh, that we had on the phone. Heard it when I was driving from Vancouver down to Seattle, and you were driving somewhere else, and we talked. And I was telling you about when I realized that I loved someone mm. that I didn't say it for a really long time. I do remember that because essentially, I realized when I wanted to say it to her that it doesn't matter if she knows. Oh yeah, you, do you do this as a bit? You told me what you were thinking of it. I have been think, doing it. It doesn't. I have been thinking about doing it as a bit. I'm just trying to. When I talk about it, people go, "Hmm." There's a lot of ideas, stand up ideas, where people kind of nod their head. I'm like, "Yeah, it's more of a great idea than a bit." But you're you're right. You're when I won't say the thing that you said exactly, but having love in your within you, in your heart, in your mind, like that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing to experience. To experience, and you can you without saying it, you could still demonstrate it. You can show it exactly. You can live it. The saying it is not the the, the living it. Yeah, names are not important. So and forget Matt Knudsen. Matt Knudsen. Forget Kamat. Forget Kamat. Um. So yeah. So I didn't say it to her because I realized I don't have to tell her because it's not her. It's not her problem. And telling her makes it her problem. Mm -hmm. And that's, in a way, why we tell people we love them. To go, you know what? You're hired. We're in this together. (laughs) I I like what you've been doing in my happiness this quarter. (laughs) And I think think you're due for a promotion. Yeah, and we need to see these uh, these numbers keep. They need to stay. Keep rising. Yeah, yeah, at least level. And that's a big thing that was said in this article is just kind of like we hold our partners responsible for our own happiness. That they are... They are our happiness consultants, <laughs> and when our happiness goes down, it's kind of like, "Hey, what's what, going on over what here? What happened here? This is not this is not your job." Uh, we were you were. What have you been Look, doing differently? There's been a dr- down a drop in happiness second quarter. I want to see that happiness up third quarter or fourth quarter. I don't know. I'm gonna have to find somebody else. Yeah, maybe maybe I can bring them in to consult with you at the same time. You know, menage a consultant, <laughs> consultatoire. Jesus creases. Um, yeah, but it's, that's, that's the thing where it's just kind of like, we put it, we go, why aren't they loving me right? Right. Instead of the way that was put, it was like, we think, why aren't they loving me right? As opposed to finding ways to be more lovable. That, and also just be, you know, the, the classic thing that people say, uh, when they say like, you know, you can't love, don't, don't love someone else. Or you can't love someone. Else. No one will love you until you love yourself. Like that sort right, of thing. Right, right. Like love yourself first. Like, you have to be as, you know... As yeah, you got to masturbate in, as much as possible. Yes. In working order. And then once that's all out of your system, you're like, phew, clear-headed. Now I can decide on a mate perfectly. That was a really unconvincing phew you just did. Phew! I can't even... I can't even mimic it. Uh, for those at home, uh, I actually did just masturbate. And, oh. Yeah. I'm uh, so glad I couldn't see on the other side of the There's table. a table between us. There's a table. Uh, but, so the idea that, I mean, you have to be... A whole person, a, your own person, with your, like because your your partner should not be everything to you. You have to like this is something something that uh, as I've just gotten out of a relationship, I can am continually reminding myself like 
uh, I am my own person. I am happy. Like I am, you know, humans are a social animal. Mm -hmm. We are, we, you know, thrive on being a part of a community and other people, but we are all, you know, it's self and self as part of others, whether it's. But we do romanticize the idea of the haves become a whole. Instead of two holes become a couple. We do romanticize romance. We romanticize romance. And as the woman who wrote Marriage of History said, basically, I, marriage for the specific purpose of love is about 150 years old. It's Victorian England. Wow. Right? So, but it, that's not even that long ago. Yeah. It, it's not that it hasn't happened. It wasn't that it hasn't. It, there's been societies where you get married and it's because you love that person. Yeah. But it wasn't the aim and sole purpose of it. Now it is, and in Victorian England is where that started. I knew a couple, uh, I knew a woman who I went to grad school with, and she was in a relationship at the time. I'm not sure if she's in the same one now, but, you know, 10 years ago, this woman uh, was telling me about her relationship. They'd been together for several years. She was like, we're not married, we're not getting married. We do live together, but we're specifically not getting married because we want to be like the fact that we could leave the fact that we could pick up and go but every day we choose to be with one another every day we're conscious that this is who we want to be with this is why we want to be here like that's important to us like the idea that i mean our culture obviously there's so many people that are like the wedding i went the happiest day of my life is the wedding mm-hmm. like but then the marriage is most of the life that you're planning on like man that's all downhill from here like i mean for me sometimes like the hap like you know the the there's so much elation when you've discovered when you feel love for the first time when you mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you meet up like oh my god this person and then it keeps building and building and building and then i mean there is a sense in which like uh stanhope has a joke doug stanhope has a joke about uh about monogamy and this is i mean this is exactly this resonates with me so much uh that the the best he says the best feeling paraphrasing the best feeling in life is falling in love with a new person uh and but monogamy is about you know companionship and friendship and security and you know this partnership and it's really you know it can be meaningful and substantial but you know but the best feeling is falling in love with somebody new so when you when you meet that person and you're like oh let's ne- let's agree to never feel this good again like yeah, when yeah. if you decide to be with them and only them that and i was like yes and so for me that's like where my i want to be with one who will let me be with that like the idea of i would i love the idea of building a life with one person uh potentially you know like building whether whether having a family or not but As being, do I. having a partner having somebody who you know understands you and cares about you and li- lives with you is there with you is you know not not re- fully responsible for your happiness because you're your own person and you do your own things but then you come every day you're like oh i do choose you right uh, whether you're married or not but you you're like us a unit but then also acknowledging that humans are uh, animals that are attracted to other people, mm-hmm. and that doesn't detract. That doesn't detract from your caring for some, for some people. It can make you love them more. Well, you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Say I just did it. Uh, basically, I think that was essentially yeah. The, you yeah. The end. Well, I was going to say that you're you're kind of taking me into where I want to kind of, I guess, end up with this the end of this podcast, which is that we have been talking about relationships very conceptually, right? Now, we haven't talked much about our, our personal goals in those strata. Sure. In those strata as well, and how it is that we're trying to apply what it is we believe. Now, we're both, we both subscribe to uh, alternative relationship structures. 
because we're both R's. <laughs> ARS. Nope. Okay. Or R's holes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I like it. Okay. It's good. Okay. So. <laughs> Just say the G and E of Niger, son of a bitch. I, do a fact. I am offended by. Instead of do a joke, do a fact. Next fact. Yeah. Next fact. <laughs> this fact sucks. <laughs> this fact sucks. <laughs> this fact sucks. Oh, I didn't come to the laugh fact <laughs> I didn't come to the fact laughery to laugh <laughs> at sucky facts. Jesus Christ, we're entertaining ourselves. Um, laughery. So I, I okay, so we both subscribe to this idea of open relationships and polyamory and what that might or may not look like. But I want to specifically say that, at least for myself, and I can't speak for you, um, it's not a free for all fuck fest. Now that's that's the number one thing that people are come at me about. Is that like, oh, of course everybody wants to fuck everybody all the time. It's like, no, uh, yeah. that's not what I'm saying. Uh. Because there is a particular uh, person who I've gotten some emails for, from, for, and yeah. from. Who I got some emails for this I guy. I will, and he will listen to this, and I've already, I'm going to have responded to his email before this. What it, I, but I'll tell you this, Wantanabe-san. <laughs> um, what it sounds like you are anti is chaos. <laughs> and sure, I'm anti-chaos too. I'm not talking about structureless, boundaryless, fucking free-for-alls. I'm talking about a responsible structure in which people i love are responsible about what we're doing and communicative about that i'm not saying like just fucking i'm gonna fuck whatever if 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 she looks at me fucking also sometimes having the like being allowed to uh fuck whoever you want Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're going to fuck everyone and that's a bit that's that is i can legally drink but I don't have to all the time. Yeah, when yeah, like teenagers probably get like do the worst drinking. The worst drinking. And yeah. You turn twenty one, you're like, I can fucking do this anytime. And, and you turn twenty three, you're like, I don't have to do it every time. Yeah, and it's exactly Maybe, like. Hopefully. So if you're in a monogamous relationship, like a marriage, a long term thing, that you're like, I'm not, I can't. And maybe you don't want to. Some people don't. Some people are happy. That and you. I did say at the beginning of the show, monogamous relationships don't work. That was a joke. Like, some relationships work, some don't, some are monogamous, some aren't. And the thing is, you hear... Every relationship yeah. works. People don't. Continue. <laughs> yeah, and that's why the financial institutions... Uh, but, uh... <laughs> uh weird voice facts. <laughs> um, but, the, certainly for me, my experience has been... Uh, when I've been in a, a relationship, like I've been, you know, I haven't, I've been married once, but then I've been in a lot of other like relationships that were a year ish to mm-hmm. maybe a little, maybe two years, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little less. But when it got to that point, sometimes I'd, I'd start feeling like potentially a little like grass is greener and like a year, there's like a few milestones where like, Oh, maybe, maybe we keep going. Maybe we don't keep going, you know, for whatever. Like I've, I've heard that uh the chem- the brain chemistry like the thing the reason that you are so tingly like in the beginning phases of the falling in love the lust the this the that like uh maybe comes from like the biological time when like you know you would be attracted to somebody you would impregnate them and then like a year to a year and a half later that would 
die down. And he'd be like, all right, well, this baby is born. You've got that. And now I will go and impregnate the next person. Like that there's you know, sort of like a timeline, which doesn't have to be followed. Obviously, you can impregnate somebody or not impregnate somebody. You can stay with them as long but the or brain, not. Yeah. The brain chemistry corresponds to the biology. Yes. Is basically what you're saying. Evolutionarily, that's where we've come to that. Yeah, that if if you, I mean, and I don't know that necessarily, you know, certainly every man. We'll say there yeah. are theories and yeah. studies that support this. Yeah, there are. Okay. <laughs> All about college students. Oh, students. Uh, cave people, college students. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that uh, – where was I? I don't even remember. I interrupted. We're tangential my, motherfuckers. Uh, yes. But, uh, okay, so anyway, a monog- if you're in a monogamous relationship, when I'm in monogamy, like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I want to – I want to be out of it. And sometimes when I'm out of it, I'm like, I want to be in it. So what I want to do is capture the best of both of those, like be in a relationship, but then also have the capacity. So I'm not like chomping at the bit, you know, to be like, oh, I got to, oh, no, only this. Like, I can be like, oh, I could do something. I don't have to. Like, I feel like more like the people, the grownups who are in monogamous relationships, but Mm, but are straining to be like they're like they're like teenagers with drinking they're like oh i'm not allowed to oh, I'm just, and then it just goes crazy like either you know and that's obviously something that contributes to the divorce rate something that contributes to the infidelity rate which i've heard uh, uh posited if you, if at, you try yeah. to force yourself and that's the other thing is that like because i i say that and i believe i am more capable of being monogamous than i've ever been and it's because i know it's a choice that i could make Oh, As yeah. opposed to like, it's the fucking way it's done. It's the way my parents did it. It's the way their parents do it. And I'm going to do it. And if I can't do it, I'm bad. I'm a bad person. I'm evil and I'll be alone forever. If you put that much, if you heap that much pressure on yourself, of course you're going to self-destruct in some sort of way. Yes. And I guarantee you the people who are monogamous that make it work aren't putting that amount of pressure on themselves. And the people who are uh, non-monogamous that make it work you currently don't hear a lot from like they are doing because they're not they're not going to like raise their head above the fray like most people are just privately like whether they go to a swingers club once a month or once a year whether they have threesomes whether one per whether there's a cuckold situation where somebody's like you go out have sex with somebody else come back and tell me about it or let's we'll do it in front of you or whatever the case right. is there's so many configurations people have so many different kinds of desires so many different things that turn them on that but most people don't broadcast it. Like we're we're not like we're literally yeah. broadcasting. It. Yeah, we are. We're, and we're, we're podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> These people aren't podcasting it. Yeah, uh, but because most people, I think most people don't. Like the number one fear in this country is public speaking, right? Uh, and certain people like their privacy. Like it's there's so many things that people can as, people assume because they don't see when you all you have access to is the crazy blown up situation oh my god i saw like newt gingrich when newt gingrich he asked for a non-monogamous situation and then it was all cheated and everybody was bad but it sounds like he did it in a shitty way though and he i mean (laughs) he didn't he wasn't he didn't i think this is from dan savage again right but like he didn't he was cheating he was not in an in a in a loud non-monogamous situation he was in a monog he failed at monogamy he didn't succeed at non-monogamy um and then he tried to contort what he was doing to fit the thing that he other thing that he wanted as opposed to being sensitive right he wasn't honest about about it at any point Mm -hmm. like so the people who are being honest about it you're not hearing from because it's not blowing up the same way that you know i think almost half of the people in this country it in uh, survey said admit to having smoked pot and that is massive 
but the legislation is so slow because people aren't the regular. There's so many people who are regular, intelligent, adult, responsible humans smoke pot once in a while. No, it doesn't make them want to do Coke or heroin or LSD or whatever. They're just like, I just smoke pot once uh, every how often it's not physically addict, whatever the case is. And they're just like, it doesn't even need to be legal. Who cares? Like they're not going out like picketing and be like, Hey, this is normal because they're just like, why do we need to? It, it's not a problem you know, other than for the millions of people in jail for pot, possession. nonviolent crimes. Well, you know, and then it's also the, uh, and people get very, this is a fearful subject also. Of course, people are like, well, what about diseases? And yeah, you just have to be honest. You just have, hopefully you have to be honest. You got to get tested. You got to fucking be like, okay, well, let's, let, if we're going to do this, let's do it like this and reduce our risk. But there's always a risk. Oh yeah. If you, you cannot have sex ever and then you don't have any risk. And if that's what you want, then do that. Right. But if you have sex ever, there's, there's some always risk. a risk. 80% of people have herpes. 80%? I think it's, it's 80%, 80% now? At least mouth herpes. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's very different. <laughs> it's different than genital herpes. Sure. I was but, like, 80%? When did, I didn't see this. But you can Just get... the herpes facts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, there are people I know who I care about very much that have herpes and some people that I've been in love with. Also, a thing that I, I learned mm-hmm. uh, on a, a recent Savage Love podcast, mm-hmm. uh, we had a medical and I've I've had like, you know, people have gone to doctors and had this has been a thing that like herpes is not normally tested for because it has a high false positive rate. Oh. So if you get tested, if you were like, I demand to be tested for herpes and it comes back positive, you don't necessarily have it, but because they don't. The reason that they, they don't like to panic people. So if they're like, you're, if you're in a low risk group, if you're like, you don't think you've been exposed to it, you don't know. But uh, like, if you're, you know, did you have sex with somebody who had herpes that you know of? Like, no, generally they're like, well, then probably you don't have it. And if we tested you for it, it would be more likely to be a false positive than if you were in a higher risk group. So, well, but also I think from, I think the, the bigger, not the bigger point. Yeah. A big point that I want to make here is these things are shameful. Agreed. They're, they're these S, like uh, STDs, which are also correctly called STIs. That's a bone of contention. The eyes. The eyes. The eyes have it. Uh, the eyes. The venereal infections. I and, think they've never been called. Oh, that. Yeah. Never. Okay. Sixes. Roman numeral sixes. Um, and then drugs, because you mentioned pot. Mm-hmm. But these are things that are criminalized. Oh, yeah. And that we associate with. Diseases are not criminalized. Dark. Well, yeah, they're not criminalized. but it, They but, should be. But. But. If you know someone has an STD, you kind of start treating them like a criminal. You're right. People will start treating you like you, you did something wrong. When, in fact, you might have had something wrong done to you. So I've had, I, you know, and I, I, a person I know that has herpes because she, a horrible, I'm not going to say it because it makes you sad, but a horrible thing happened to her and that was the result of it. But she, when she's going to date someone, has to lead and she leads with, yeah. I have herpes. That's the responsible thing to do. They automatically go, yeah. ugh. You must be a disgusting person then. Which is not the case. And then you go, well, it's because of this. Oh, that makes me sad now. And also another recent Dan Savage podcast, maybe the same one with this medical consultant. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they've talked about it a bunch that it is, if you read, it's, it has such a horrible, it's such a horrible sounding word because of the, because people don't know it because it lasts forever because you have it and then you don't get rid of it. You're like, oh no, but different people have differing, you know, like some, most, most people who have it don't even know it because they don't have an outbreak. That's how many people don't have outbreaks 
is that they don't even know that that's the case. Like, so you could get it, not know you have it, have it for years, have one outbreak, freak out of the person you're with now, when in fact you got it 20 years ago. Like, they, well, my point is, though, that the shame around these things, agree. Uh, the fear around these things, I think, drives people to act out more. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're, you're, if you're shameful about these things, you're more likely to lie about them. If you're more likely to, to partake in, and this is probably incorrect what I'm saying, but I feel like you're more, more likely to partake in activities that are more risky because you're just like, oh, I'm so shameful about this. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like the... I'm just saying you hold yourself so tight. Is this what we were talking about earlier with like the couples that assume they are monogamous and thus stop using... Any form of protection. protection. There's a lot of assumptions in that because I'm just saying that, like, I guess I'm I'm putting this together too. If you put the societal pressure, it has to be like that. Mm -hmm. It has to be this way. Then, if you even think about doing these things outside of that, and you beat yourself up for being bad because you thought about it, oh yeah, or because you maybe even did it, then you're more likely, I think. To do those things again, you still need some sort of psychological release and you're more likely to partake yes. possibly in risky situations and risky behavior that puts everybody at danger. And, you know, I read a, I read a book, I believe it's called More Sex is Safer Sex. It's like by it's it's not by the Freakonomics guy, but it's a similar it's another economist, I think, with the same person. I think he's also named Stephen something. They're all named Stephen. Uh, yep. Uh, there was a study about it. Economy did it. Steve Conomist. Why, if you name your child Stephen, he'll become an economist. Statistics. Uh, facts. Facts. <laughs> Give me the Stephen facts. So here's the – and this book is full of, like, really interesting counterintuitive uh, but economically, you know, accurate information. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea of more sex is safer sex. The, per- the people are saying, like, because of the fear of uh, getting a sexually transmitted infection or disease – uh, peop- a lot of people who don't have the diseases will not have as much sex. Uh, but if those people did have – if they became a little more promiscuous, then the pool of people that were safer to have sex with would be so much greater that right now, you know, say of the people – the people who have diseases, if they're not disclo- – like there's people who disclose, and that's great, and you can make a decision or not whether you want to take the risk, take precautions to help hopefully avoid getting it from them. Uh, but there's people who, those, if there are dishonest people with diseases that don't uh, disclose, then that's what people are worried about. People are worried about getting a disease from a, a liar or somebody who doesn't know that they have it. But uh, so obviously get tested, know as w- much as possible how much of what you have. And if you know that you're pretty likely to be clear, then go have a little more sex than you would with the people that are just like you. Because hopefully be honest, try to find out, you know, have the conversation. So many people like with a one night stand or the beginning of a relationship don't necessarily it's a it's because it's an awkward potentially shame inducing conversation to have but it's so important because it's so great if you find somebody to sleep with that you're like yeah i don't have it get tested they get tested you don't have it they don't have it whatever it is great then so much it's you're clear go did i tell you my new theory that um that people with stds are the only ones that actually find true love (laughs) i love it because it's like if you tell someone again, it's a, such a shameful anxiety, fear inducing thing. And if you tell someone, hey, I have this thing that's scary and they go like, don't care. So like you. Yeah. Well, that's fucking real. Better. That is real. That is, that's fucking real. Yeah. And not one of the things I love about you is that you're clean <laughs> and you'll always be clean. You'll never be unclean. 
Uh, do you know Jim Mandrinos? I do. Yeah, he had, used to have that. He had a joke I used to like about uh, what happened. Why don't you like it anymore? Well, because he probably doesn't do it anymore. I haven't okay. seen him in a long time. No, I still like it. He he used to do a joke. I'm assuming he used to do it. Maybe he still does. I haven't seen him in a couple years. You did say he had, he had a joke that I used to like. I took advantage of a thing that you didn't intend. Bitch, my. I apologize. It's okay. These it things happen. So the joke was basically, and now it's not going to be funny because nope. there's so much prelude. Sorry to interrupt. So. It's basically just like people cuss a lot. You know, they say bitch, fuck, shit. And it's like, and it's hard to convey the intention of cursing because we curse so much. Just give me the fuck. So you have to go back to, he's like, I think the way to get it across is to go back to these old cuss words that no one uses anymore to Ah, really make your point. I like it. You can't, if you think someone's awful and they walk in and don't go bitch, everyone's like, yeah, that's a song. (laughs) That's a song. Go Clean. <laughs> I just, I, I just like that joke. I like it. Go, bitch. Go, witch. Um, any closing statements, Mikey? Uh, which I spell M Y Q Y. I, why appreciate it. Uh, why we. Um, well, this is as always based on one other time, and also all the other times that I've spoken to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, been a pleasure. Uh, I think, yeah. Not everybody has to live the same way. That is, I think I, the, the first place that I saw that, you know, explicitly uh, spelled out in a way that I was like, of course. Uh, yes, that is what I think. That is the truth. It was in Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. And it was that, you know, it used to be there were all these disparate tribes of humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all, Each one had their own culture, their own rules, their own mores, their own everything. And, like, then one of them, you know, sort of, like, got bigger and bigger and was, like, getting more land and taking over and doing more other things and the book is about a lot of things but the idea being like there's not just one way to live like as comedians like certainly my you know my, my dad was like comedian that is not you need to have a backup plan that you is not a way to live a, a regular job you need to you know you need to like like marriage you know you need to do this you need to do that you know like one one person one man one woman so your dad's jackie mason uh, he's not that person yeah <laughs> uh, and this is my dad anymore this is just people like you know but people in a lot of people have an idea that oh this is how it's been, even if it's not how it's been, but it, it's how it's been. This is how we said it was supposed to go. Like, this is like, and the, the way we, we lie, we lie to kids because we like, you know, saying things like pot will lead to heroin, not, like scientifically not true, but we're like, but we want to scare them, but they'll know that you're lying. And then they'll be like, well, then probably heroin's okay. You know, whatever you lied about pot, maybe heroin's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we lie to kids about that. And then, because we want to protect them. We want to, you know, so we lie to kids. We lie to, you know, ourselves, our partners. But the idea is that there's so many different ways. You can, you can be, be honest about what you want with yourself and then be honest with it with the people around you, the people that hopefully, like, care about you and love you and will love you, even if, like, uh, we obviously maybe don't have time to get into this, but, like, I've read a, read a thing in, like, maybe the New York Magazine or New Yorker Magazine, something, some magazine that starts with New York. Um, could have been New York. Yeah, it could. It very well may be about like it was a profile of a pedophile uh, who had never acted on his his instinct, but was yet had gotten scooped up by the system. He got he got you know trapped. He got it, perhaps entrapped. Uh, but you know he went to meet somebody who turned out to be a cop and not a young girl. Um, it what, the question of maybe he would have acted on it once he got there, but he had never acted on it before. But he, he has no record. He had, no, he has no record. But and there are again, according to my my Dan Savage uh, knowledge base, there's all these people out there uh, who 
if you, you know, if you, if you have feeling, there's people who have feelings that they want to have sex with a child, but don't, we don't know how many, because they're not allowed to say it. They're not, because if they say it, then they get, then they're in the system and, and they're fucked. They, they can't like, and it would be good if they were able to say it safely to a professional and get help because those people, they don't want to act on There's people that they're like, I know I shouldn't feel like this. I don't want to feel like this. I, I, but I can't tell anybody because they'll, because of the shame, because of like, and this is repression leads to perversion. And so it would be great if that, even in that situation, more speech, better honesty, better honesty with self, with others. Like, cause if you're not, if you're not harming somebody else, then what you're doing, if you're just talking, then that should be okay. Talking should always be okay. Uh, And so there's no one way to live means figure out what you want, figure out how to share that with others and then find others that make sense to have a community, whether it's, you know, uh, romantic, whether it's professional, whether it's, you know, your comedian, uh, you know, minstrel wandering lifestyle, you know, whether it's, uh, whatever it is, you can, there's, there's people who feel like you there and you can find them and interact with them, uh, you know, fall in love with them, be with them. Like there's telling people how not to feel is, doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's destructive. Yeah. And telling people don't, you know, don't have sex with a kid. That's good. But then, you know, help them not have sex with a kid. <laughs> By having sex with them. Yeah. What? Hmm. Uh, yeah, there's just, you can be however you want. You can, nothing that you think or feel has to be bad. It's just how you act and who you do it with that is important. Um, I will say everyone can't fit through the same door. And the more people- That try sounds and, anti-fat. And the more people trying to do it, the more people will get trampled in the process. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of doors. Tell a fact. and thank you for listening guys i'm gonna keep this uh outro short because usually i just reiterate the last couple things that were said but you just heard them so i don't need to repeat them so i will just say thanks for listening i really appreciate your ears and your time and the real estate you just gave me inside your brain a totes um, and check out all the podcasts at allthingscomedy.com and um, baronvon.com. Hell, I've never pimped my own website. Probably because I need to update it. I haven't updated it in a long time. Uh, I'm starting to have some, some dates come in for different clubs and tours and places. Not tours, but just different clubs and places that I will be. Um, such as... Um, Seattle and Portland, Oregon and Austin, Texas and Montreal, Quebec and Calgary, Alberta and Scottsdale, Arizona and other places that are starting to come in. So I'm going to be updating all that stuff soon and I'm working on new material. I'm trying to get deeper, trying to get better. That's the whole point of doing this motherfucking podcast. Uh, and, um, uh, what else? That's it. Poopity farts. Bye.